Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Sophia, and I am very pleased to have Christina with me today. Welcome to Exploring Art Podcast. Thank you. On today's episode of the Exploring Art Podcast, we will solve the following case study. Which would we rather have? A portrait of Socrates by Rembrandt or a photograph of Socrates? Would the Rembrandt portrait be would be likely to reveal? Would the photograph be likely to reveal? Suppose the photograph were by Alfred Stieglitz. Would this make us more or less likely to want it than the Rembrandt portrait? Is our wanting to have known Socrates a relevant criterion for choosing between the photograph and the portrait? To start things off, we will first discuss the artists and their work. Christina, can you tell us a bit about Rembrandt and his life's work? Hi, okay. Um, Well, Rembrandt was considered one of the greatest visual artists in the history of art. Um, He was also considered the most important in Dutch history. His contributions came during the Dutch golden age in the 17th century. This era paved the way for new genres because of his domination during this time with his innovative and prolific styles. Um, His works depicted wide subject matters, portraits, self-portraits, landscapes, historical scenes, biblical themes, mythological themes, and animal studies. Um, But he was renowned for his ability to depict um, not only realistic human figures, but to portray human feelings. So he believed that emotions were more important than any other aspect of life. His subject's feelings and experiences was what he wanted to convey. Um, That's, I think, pretty much a brief overview of what his his style was like. Yeah, definitely. I know um, some of the works that I've seen, Rembrandt definitely loves to focus on um, like features and emotions in people's faces in the uh, portraits he does. So I think, I mean, that background information, really valuable to understand who he was. Yeah, um, that was one of his biggest contributions is um, to art, um, is being able to, no one's been able to duplicate that, like to bring out the subjects, emotions and feelings into their work. So uh, I think that's why he is, he is, he is the master um, at what he does. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Um, thanks for that great information. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of time to discuss Alfred Stieglitz um, and kind of his life, work, and style in his photography. Um, Alfred Stieglitz was definitely one of the pioneers of photography um, as, you know, a valued art form and not just um, something used to capture something. Um, He had a 50-year career as a photographer, and um, he really did a lot of valuable work to make people realize um, photography as a medium. He was born in New Jersey, but he actually went to schooling for mechanical engineering in Germany. Um, Definitely a far cry from photography, but it was actually there that he took a class with uh, Hermann Wilhelm Vogel. And he taught a chemistry class, but he's actually credited with working on the chemical processes used to develop photographs. And so that's where Stieglitz very much found his 
uh, start in photography through him. Um, Stieglitz stayed in Europe for a long time after school to grow a passion of photography. He started with landscapes, actually, and not necessarily portraits um, to really grow. And he ended up with an obsession with photography. He wanted to prove that it was an art form. Um, Throughout his career, he actually served as editor of Camera Notes, which was a journal of the Camera Club in New York. Um, which was dedicated to proving the medium as a valid form of art. Uh, But he actually ended up growing tired of the restrictiveness and branched off to create his own photo session, which focused on proving the craftsmanship of photography. Um, Stieglitz really drew on the inspiration and artist uh, movements around him. Um, He really valued artists like Rodin and Picasso And he really made sure that his photographs and the portraits he took and the landscapes he took reflected artistic styles of the time. Um, But around 1917 and around the time of World War I, he realized that transparency was becoming very, very valued in modern art. So um, when he started taking portraits, he really wanted to reflect transparency which I think is something super important to art in general too, is while you have an artistic point of view, transparency of what your painting needs to be seen as well. Um, One of his biggest works was his portrait of his future wife, Georgia O'Keeffe, the artist. Um, He really believed that one image didn't encapsulate one's personality in its entirety. So he ended up taking hundreds of photographs of her And those are some of his most famous works. Um, So he was no doubt like very significant in photographic history. Oh, fascinating. That's that's really interesting that he would be married to an artist too. So yeah, he definitely valued artwork and really saw what he did as an art form as well. I've been lucky enough to kind of see some of his work and it is really, truly fantastic. Um, I do have a little bit of a passion and dabbling in photography as one of my hobbies. So I definitely enjoyed kind of learning a lot more about him. Um, Yeah, this is the first I'm actually hearing, hearing about him. So, and I, um, I think I've, pretty well-traveled too and in, in where what in the things that I've seen but I'm, I'm just surprised that he's never come up obviously Georgia O'Keeffe we've seen everywhere but I just never knew anything about him um, I too have been lucky enough to see to see Rembrandt's uh, Night Watch in Amsterdam and I mean it's it's amazing like to me I mean we'll go into that later on but just the comparisons of like a picture of a portrait and and a picture um I mean, Rembrandt is pretty much able to convey the message that a photograph would be able to as well. So it's really fascinating to hear about these two pioneers in their in their respective art form. So, yeah, definitely. And we'll definitely get more into it later in the recording. Um, But just so that we have some background information on who we're really, truly um, examining. Uh, can you give us some information about Socrates? You know, he was um, pretty faceless. He didn't leave behind any authored texts or anything. 
but we know who he was through his students. Uh, do you know anything about Plato and what he revealed about him? Yeah, well, Plato was um, a very devoted follower, a little bit, uh, <laughs> um, what's the word I'm looking for? He's a little obsessed with him. Um, he was like very yeah. devoted to Socrates' work. Um, most of what is known about Socrates is, is through Plato. And um, what I find interesting is in almost all of his works, Pl- Plato doesn't speak as himself. He speaks as Socrates. Um, so that's a little <laughs> obsessive to me. Um, but, um, but, but the same admiration that Plato had for Socrates was the example of why Socrates was considered dangerous. Um, uh, he, he corrupted the young by teaching them his methods of questioning, uh, to question to question everything. And that is one of the reasons Socrates was sentenced to death um, by hemlock poisoning. Uh, so I find that very interesting that you're his biggest fan, but you were actually contributing to, to his, to his demise. Um, Yeah, that's, yeah, it's definitely very fascinating. I I don't think I actually knew that Plato kind of contributed to. um, He he was the example of it. He was the example of of, of exactly how Socrates was corrupting the mind of the youth. So Mm -hmm. uh, definitely, I mean, I know that Socrates is kind of credited with um, almost pioneering the study of like ethics and morality um, in his culture. And that was probably definitely seen as um, uh, kind of taboo, I guess, in their time. Right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, he's considered founder. I mean, the founder of our philosophy, of Western philosophy, the Western way of thinking, mm-hmm. which, yeah, back then was just, um, you know, it was immoral to them, to the people of Athens. So, yeah, it, definitely. Um, and some of the little bit of research I did on him and his other student, not quite as well known as Plato, but uh, Xenophon, I believe it's pronounced, um, he actually drew some sketches of what he viewed Socrates as in some of um, his works that he wrote down about the conversations they had. Um, and he definitely idolized Socrates and what he taught him. Um, but I did see that um, his sketches of Socrates kind of were different from how Plato would have described Socrates. And so I think that's really interesting that um, historians have seen that two of Socrates like renowned students see him in different ways even though they were given the same kind of teachings yeah there, there was a reading on them about how um how uh, Plato said that he'd never earned money from his teachings whereas um I'm sorry I don't know how to pronounce his name Xenophon Xenophon I believe yeah <laughs> Xenophon. Um, he was saying that he did make um he, he was making money off of his teachings and how, it was just different um, varying accounts on how, how they saw, uh, how they saw Socrates. Um, even they debated even uh, the, the mother of Socrates' children. Um, Xenophon was saying that she was not a very uh, respectable woman. So it's just, it's fascinating to see how um, mm-hmm. I read more and a little bit more about that also about how uh Socrates, like he, oh, I don't think um, 
how Plato looked at Socrates, how his students viewed him because he was not uh, kind of like, like, you know, we think of an Athenian God, you know, he's not built in that way, but how his students um, just really admired and looked up to him. And uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's fascinating how one person and whose, whose, whose works were never continued on. It was never um, yeah. documented to have that kind of following is uh, pretty incredible. And I read some of his stuff and it's so applicable to today's, um, you know, to today's world. Like everything he's teaching, you know. He's yeah, teaching. definitely. So, yeah, so. I think I think uh, Socrates would definitely have some uh, a lot of knowledge to want to share if he were alive today. If we could, yeah, yeah. <laughs> see who he is today. But I definitely think it's uh, really fascinating to see how two people who knew him so well um, view him almost differently. Um, yeah saw him in a different light and probably definitely might have held him as like God status if they could have. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I would have loved to, for Socrates to, you know, author his works, but that's, I don't think that's who he was. So um, it's definitely interesting to understand him through his students. Even, even in his manner of death, I think he just accepted it. He didn't try to fight it. He just accepted it and said, okay, mm-hmm. you know, he could have ran, he could have fle- uh, flown, um, but he just accepted it. So it's kind of a fascinating man, definitely a fascinating man to question, you know, just to question everything so that you, you learn how to think for yourself, which is, um, you know, instead of being told. And I think that's what they didn't, that, I mean, that's definitely why they didn't like him. Um, the government didn't like him. The government wanted everybody to be, to listen to what they were told and accept it. Whereas he, he was teaching them. And that's why they were saying he was corrupting the youth because he's teaching them, hey, does that really make sense here? Or, or you know, is that? Yeah, definitely to question. Um... To question everything. And, and I mean, you know, we still have societies around like that today. So Definitely. Yeah, I think it'd be I definitely wish we could know Socrates and um, really see what he was like. So um, but I guess, you know, we'll just have to rely on the recounts of others of who he was, which is why I think this is definitely going to be a fascinating discussion. Yes. Um, so now that we have that information kind of on uh, the our artists and on Socrates and the main subjects of our case study, Um, I definitely would love to hear your thoughts on whether or not you would prefer and value at a higher degree a portrait painting done by Rembrandt or a photograph of Stieglitz more and why you feel that way. Well, getting to know Rembrandt a little bit more, the fact that he likes to depict one's character, not only physical features, but their their, uh, feelings and their emotions. I would have loved to see his interpretation of Socrates. I, you know, they're both so prolific that um, how how do you encapsulate someone like Socrates? And I think only I think somebody like Rembrandt can. It'll be it'll be to me it'll be more of a reflection of Socrates. I mean, of uh, of Rembrandt. It'll be his interpretation, obviously, of Socrates. But I would love to see how these minds, how these great minds, um, how one would interpret the other. You know, how would uh, how would Socrates like yeah. we? I I think we, you know, we know what Socrates' students think about. Um, 
about art form as as we read in the in in what's what is that the chapter three in who learns from art that um is it who is it that's Plato Plato didn't really believe in it correct like in the yeah Plato didn't really um he didn't see paintings or art forms as um a source for education because he kind of believed that they weren't um accurate representations um so I think that's pretty interesting that uh his students would say that art isn't um a valid form of education but um you know an artist's interpretation is all we would have now yeah I think but it's interesting because Plato didn't um that art couldn't provide it I, I think he's it's quoted as could not provide intellectual nor practical knowledge however Aristotle believed that it was quote, natural and beneficial for humans to learn by imitating and also to learn from imitations that are artistically made. So, you know, the student of the student does believe in it. So it would be fascinating to think what Socrates would actually, you know. Think about, yeah, definitely. Um, I remember in that chapter, it kind of discussed how um, imitations can represent um, the different uh, facets of a person and the different aspects of the history that the person reflects of that time mm-hmm. um, and I definitely think that Rembrandt would have a stunning take on Socrates would he had he been given the chance to paint him um, but just because I do know Stieglitz's work a little bit better and I do value photography I'd almost prefer the photograph and I think that's just because I would love to see the expression and the features of Socrates as he is in that moment in time. Um, and Stieglitz really valued um, a photograph and a portrait that captures somebody's personality. Um, but here's, I'm not sure that uh, Stieglitz would believe one photo could do Socrates justice. So I guess in terms of taking a little creative freedom here, I'd have to say I'd want a series. Of I wasn't just going to suggest the same thing. I would yeah. love a series of... A little series of photographs um, of Socrates, because I think like what he did with his wife, Georgia O'Keefe uh, taking like so many photographs because a personality changes and a way of thinking changes. So, um, you know, I'd have to say I'd, I'd want a series of photographs of Socrates from him to see how he changed throughout different um, aspects of his life and everything. Um, Do you know if Stieglitz did any self-portraits? Um, I don't believe he actually ever took one of a uh, took a photograph of himself, and I definitely think, um, you know, it was kind of the photo, maybe the photographical technology of the time. It was a little harder. Oh. Um, but I did. I'm not sure. I think I might have seen that somebody happened to take a photo of him, but I know that he didn't do any self. As far as I researched, he didn't do any self portraits of himself. Um, he really loved to capture everything else around him. So he, he did portraits. He, yeah, so he did a lot of just portraits. Yeah, so I don't think he never really took one of himself, which I would have loved to see that. Um, but yeah, I mean, in in reading this, I Rembrandt did a lot of his self portraits, um, 
and he did it by looking at himself in the mirror. So I think it's a, you know, I think it's, it's, it's neat to see, that's how the artist sees themselves or how they want to be seen. Um, and it's not so much about creating like a realistic, well, this is, you know, in, in terms of Rembrandt, not really um, creating a realistic uh, picture of yourself, but it's how you want to be represented. So um, I guess that's why I was asking with uh, Stieglitz if he did a self-portrait, like how, how he saw himself um, yeah. versus how he sees, you know, how he sees others. Um, sorry about that. Um, no, it's totally fine. Um, yeah, I agree. Definitely. Uh, Rembrandt understood what it meant to capture how somebody would want to be portrayed. Um, so I think there would be a really, I think there'd be a beauty in what he would paint of Socrates. And I think he probably would have asked Socrates for his input of what he wanted to portray about himself. Oh my God, that would be <laughs> such a fascinating conversation. He, that would, it, for, Rem, for Rembrandt, it, ha, it would have to be a series or I would, I would ask for a series because I don't think you, I, it is difficult to encapsulate a person in, in one, in one, in one image. image in one, yeah, yeah, in one image, so. Yeah, you know, and it's um, also fascinating to talk about this when um, a lot of other artists who aren't as um, maybe prolific or as pioneering as these two are that have done um, portraits of Socrates or paintings of moments that he's said to have been a part of. And, um, you know, I kind of did some looking at those. Mm -hmm. And so there's definitely like an image you have of Socrates in your mind if you do a little bit of looking at what other people have portrayed him by. But um I don't think they they're anywhere near what uh, Rembrandt or Stieglitz would have been able to portray of him. Uh, so yeah, well, one of the things that one of the topics that that came up were are self portraits and selfies <laughs> the same thing as you know? Yeah, and um, yeah, the photograph versus you know a self portrait like yeah. I definitely say there's even like a difference in a photograph of just like a selfie of yourself and taking a self-portrait photograph of yourself. Right. Because um, you can you can really stage a photograph. Um, you can dress your subject however you want. You can take a certain angle of a background or include things in the photograph as props and backgrounds and stuff to really um, artistically change the way a photo looks, the composition of a photo. So I think there's definitely the dif a difference in just taking a picture of someone or yourself and taking like a portrait of what truly represents themselves. Um, and that's why I think Stieglitz definitely would have been the right photographer to take on the challenge of um, encapsulating Socrates for what he was and taking a portrait of himself because I think he really would have paid attention to the personality that Socrates had. So, but with his works, it generally wouldn't be a picture of his features, of his, like his facial features. It wouldn't be a full, um, right from what I saw, it was a little bit more artistic where it's a, a pro. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, his famous photo of his wife, uh, definitely close up. It definitely, um, you know, you could see her features, the lines in her face, see like the details of who, like who she was, but he liked to take close-up photos and you couldn't see the whole 
the whole picture um not pun not intended um of like who she was and everything so I think you know it might have been like a series of close-ups and we would have had to look at stuff as a whole to really understand what he saw in Socrates um because he definitely also kind of staged the photos of his wife a little bit too and didn't just take you know um candid or just like stopped in time but like photographs he definitely took his time to um really cat like examine the angles and what he wanted to capture um of the person that day so yeah definitely I have one uh it's definitely a tough choice I'd like to have both but uh, yeah I know um, right but yeah just I think these great minds work together it would be exactly I think the value would be more of that and Rembrandt on a collaboration you know we should get them to work together somehow that'd be ideal because isn't it also when in learning in our other readings about the artist who reproduce another one so they could so maybe um Stieglitz could take a picture of Rembrandt painting a picture of Socrates. <laughs> that, that that, be, that's what I want. There, there's my answer. That's of what I want. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of yeah, definitely. I think I don't think I would be able to choose, but if somebody really made me, I'd choose a photograph. But I would love what you suggested: a photograph of Rembrandt painting Socrates, and I think that would really give us what we want. Yeah, it would be very satisfying. <laughs> to have that definitely um yeah so interesting topics interesting yeah I do wonder if if Rembrandt's self-portraits I mean they said that sometimes he just did it um to practice or he would do it because it was cheaper than getting a model they said hiring models were so expensive back then so um more practical just to do self-portrait but I wonder if it is kind of the same philosophy as we have as like selfies so I mean I, I, I don't really want to give that much credit to selfies and saying it in a I mean I'm sure some people do but for the most part I, I don't think selfies are 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 artistic in any way um, or very rarely do you find it artistic um, so yeah. I just wonder if that's the same thought the same you know thought as what Rembrandt had in yeah, definitely. I think that's definitely an interesting, um, like, topic to think about um, when really, like, thinking about these artists and how they portray the people in their portraits and what they do. Um, you know, I feel that's definitely, like, a topic that you could, like, truly discover and talk about definitely for, a, like, for a long time. Yeah. Because there's just so much to appreciate. Well, they're all so fascinating. I think we do 20 minutes just on Socrates alone, and then 20 minutes on Rembrandt alone, and 20 minutes on Stieglitz alone. You know, and just yeah, you want to each of them, every little detail. Yeah, or um, and it's definitely something I will continue to uh, discover and appreciate. Uh, this, you know, talking about it's really sparked a. Uh, appreciation again for me because I guess kind of like Stieglitz did kind of had lost a little bit of a passion uh-huh. for um 
you know, photography and art forms and stuff again, but I definitely think I'll be doing more research on them and on Rembrandt and Stieglitz again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he is, uh, you know, um, I've, I've never heard of him prior to doing the research on this. And, and again, I think I'm, I'm pretty well, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well-traveled, I guess, or, you know, I've visited well, many museums. Well, from your I, travel. Slightly, slightly. So it's, it's, um, I'm really fascinated by him and I'd really like to see more of his work. So it definitely piqued an interest in, in all three of these, these men. So. Yes, definitely. I uh, really want to get back to Paris at the museum so I can see work by both of these people again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This was amazing. This was very um, informative. Yes, definitely. Um, And I just want to thank you for joining us so much today, Christina. I do really appreciate it. Uh, This will conclude the Exploring Art podcast. Uh, Please subscribe to the Exploring Art podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for listening. Please join us soon and remember to stay curious. Thank you.